Welcome to the Sprocket Podcast, where we're simplifying the good life. I'm Guthrie Straw. I'm Armando Luna. We're broadcasting from Portland, Oregon, nestled in the heart of Cascadia. This is the show where we bring you somewhat irreverent conversations about the intricacies of thinking locally with a global perspective and enjoying the best that life has to offer along the way. We cover bicycling, trains and transit, infrastructure, adventures, and today we talk with William Sue from Ship to Bikes slash Petapalooza. I'm Aaron Flores, and I'm eating a chimichanga. Mmm, looks good, Aaron. I'll put it to the side. <laughs> Welcome back, Duffy. Thanks. You were like on a vacation or traveling trip, something? I can't remember now. Some, something like that. <laughs> I was on a bike tour. There we go, there we go. People still do, still do that? Whoa. People still do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Go? <laughs> I was up in San Juan Island chain for about a week. And I must say, it's pretty swell. If you get a chance to head up there, uh, we stayed for about half the time on Orcas Island, which is, I think, the large. Well, I don't know if it's the largest, but it's definitely the tallest mountain. Uh, has the tallest mountain in the island chain. And then we stayed about half the time in or on Lopez Island um, and in state parks for both of them. So it's a hiker-biker deal. You show up and they don't refuse you, even if it's pretty busy. Uh, and in our case, it wasn't crazy busy even at all. Wow. So we, um, yeah, kind of, I, could, I don't know, I could have stayed a whole week on Orcas. I probably could have yeah. stayed a whole year on Orcas. And uh, <laughs> probably could have stayed like 10 years on Lopez. Wow. But um, it was fun. So, yeah, hiker, biker, show up on a bike, get a campsite. Don't need to reserve, you know, eight months in advance. Can recommend. Nice. I remember this was, I had to look this up, actually. I'm not that big of a nerd. Uh, episode 470 with Evan and Stephanie, and they talked about doing the San Juan Islands. Mm-hmm. Um, and they talked a lot about the rolling hills. And my hand just did that, that wave thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was interesting. The, you know, I haven't been on the other islands. Uh, We thought we might, we thought we were going to go to like three or four maybe, but uh, ended up just being like little trips, little day trips around. We did a lot of bike. We actually did a ton of bike riding. We just did it like on and around the island. Um, I would say from like a riding standpoint, Lopez was by far my favorite. It has more roads that aren't like the road. So when you're on Orcas, depending on what you're trying to do, uh, you're basically on the highway if you're getting to anywhere from anywhere. And it's very beautiful, but uh, it's a little bit busy. And the drivers on both islands were the most courteous I have like ever seen. Um, I don't even remember... I cannot like if even if I'm like thinking about it, I cannot think of one interaction with a driver where I was like, "Ooh, that's felt a little close." Like people were, like it actually felt like people read the share the road signs, and you know we weren't riding down the middle of the lane, but um, folks were just so good at just kind of like slowing down if there's like a blind hill because it is pretty rolly. Um, if there's a blind hill, you know they'll like 
kind of go slow behind you. I didn't even feel rushed, like going up a hill. And then like four or five cars would pass and everybody just waves and is like, bye. And you're like, hey, thanks. And you, we just, you know, it's like, gosh, it's like we're all trying to get somewhere and we don't want to kill each other. That's uh, great. What a feeling. What a concept. <laughs> um, it was if, if people biked like that in Portland, like my jaw would drop to the floor and I'd be like, all right. Uh, no I don't know what anywhere. I don't know what the afterlife looks like, but this is pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it felt it felt really good. Um, biked up Mount Constitution, which has a really fun descent. Uh, the hiker biker site is right at the base of it, and the hiker biker sites are like twelve dollars a night. Regular camping is like twenty five to forty five, oh, so wow. it's very economical. Um, yeah. I think my biggest sadness of both islands, but more so Orcas, is it really does feel like it's a like it's a pay to play spot. And we were getting some we were getting some burritos from there's like a pop up burrito um, operation that happens in the parking lot on Saturdays, and we we're talking to some locals, and um, I guess they had been there for like 40, 45 years going on, and they're like. Uh, yeah, you know, like the character of the island has changed and it, you know, every place is not like it used to be. That's fine. Um, but, you know, one of them just grinned at me when I was talking about like a lot of the, I guess the money that has come into the islands. And it just, you know, if you're talking like, oh, Portland's expensive for housing. It's like people who are trying to get folks to work in service jobs on the island. 2500 is about as cheap as you can rent for a month for like a, like a, like a box in a closet. Hmm. Uh so like you, if you want to have staff, you have to literally build staff housing. And then to do that, well, you know, you need food. So you probably need a kitchen and then you need kitchen staff too. So it's like, how do you, how do you like figure out your, um, like supply demand components, uh, of, of having people be able to go to these places. Um, there's so much private land. Like it felt like getting squeezed through like, a I don't know, getting squeezed through a tube of fill wood grease to like get to the public access beaches because um they were few and far between and would go to places and you'd be you know like 10 feet to your left is private property 10 feet to your right is private property and you're like great i can enjoy this 10 foot section of beach um great bookseller there's a lovely bookshop there uh, you know came with five books left with eight uh <laughs> there's wait, some little free libraries wait, 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 wait. around hold on hold on you started your tour with five books already well yeah <laughs> it's vacation that's cool man <laughs> <laughs> and brought the ukulele you've seen me pack a bike i was gonna say you really do pack everything okay <laughs> <laughs> and i was going light this time i didn't even bring the pack craft <laughs> Um, yeah, no, super fun. The Spencer spit, uh, on Lopez Island is the finest campground experience in terms of view per dollar of any state park in the United States I've stayed in, uh, like would go back already thinking of going back to stay at Spencer spit. Uh, it's, it's, it's magical. Um, it's a really, really special, really beautiful ecosystem. Um, what we discovered about spits, I, we didn't really know like what creates them. Uh, and so it's sort of like wind and tidal factors that accumulate sand in kind of a bi-directional fashion. So a little, 
bit on top, a little bit on bottom, and then slowly the sand builds out from the shore into the water and created this beautiful wetlands, which is a protected area. Um, and then we did a sea kayak rental and got to talking with Dan, who's the owner of, or not the owner, but one of the fellow who sort of holds down the, the shop for outdoor adventures. Like if you, if you go to Spencer Spit, please rent a kayak from Dan. Uh, he's great. He had some bike fleet stuff that he was concerned about because, you know, with COVID, it's like impossible to get supplies. Also, you're on a salty island, so all your bikes rust in like a week or two. Um, and so he hadn't he had been having trouble finding mechanics. Uh, so if you if you can and you're at Spencer Spit, go talk to Dan. And if you're and if you have mechanic know how, like offer your services, uh, see if he needs some bike work done. So I ended up trading uh, some derailleur adjustments on several of the bikes for like a night kayak tour for cool. free. Um, I don't know like how widely this offer is available, but uh, <laughs> I, like, I seriously would have put down cash for it. Uh, you know, in, in retrospect, now that I've gone through that experience of, of going on one of his night kayak tours. So we like kayaked out, caught the sunset, kayaked back in, got a bit of layers on. And then we went out to the end of the spit and um, there's a lot of bioluminescence in the water due to, I believe it's plankton, but I need to research this a little bit more. And you could stick any object in the water and sparks just fly off of it where wow. there's disturbance. Um, like you can, you can put your fingers in and like flick your fingers and it looks like somebody just put like the Disney filter over your hand and you're wow. all of a sudden like a magical sparkler. Um, it was so fucking cool. So highly recommend like definitely we'll be doing some night kayaking in the future. Um, trade bike work for, you know, helping out some fleet stuff if you can. Um, but if not get on a tour anyway and, uh, go check it out. Like it's a, it's a, it's a special spot. And I know I probably say that about a lot of places, but it seems like, seems like they understand what they're sitting on. And it was just so, you know, after, after being like privated out of most of the places we tried to go on Orcas, it was just so freaking nice to show up at a state park and um, feel like we could stretch our legs a little bit. So I was, I was really appreciative about that. That's, that's what I did last week. It seems like you know those places, <laughs> Guthrie, because you often talk about those kind of places. So I don't know if it's something, is that something you end up finding or is something you specifically seek out? Um, there's a bit of like heel tapping, stick dousing, uh, <laughs> you know, like it's a bit of a feel thing, right? Yeah. Um, my, my recommendation for going to most places is to be open to conversation and to be open to being approached or being um, interacted with. Most of the things we found that were our favorite things to do, uh, it was a conversation with an electric bike owner who's taken his kids home from the grocery store on his Yuba and, you know, says, hey, this spot's pretty neat. Um, it's standing in line for like a pop-up burrito stand in the parking lot and somebody says hey is that a ukulele and all of a sudden you're invited to a house jam nice. like just mm. uh be be open to soaking up where you're at um i i usually try to have a deep appreciation for places and for na nature and natural cycles um and i would have to like tear myself away from just like sitting outside 
in a place just watching things happen. It's like if you're if you're still, you will see things. Doing that and just being open to being in one place, uh, whether it's Spencer Spit State Park or your park in your backyard, um, I think opens you up to a lot of experiences. So yeah, there's no method. There's just what I've learned that allows me to connect to a sense of place as I see it. So say yes to everything. That is a pretty decent strategy. <laughs> I think you definitely end up above 50% uh, success, you know. And maybe it's 51, but hey, I'll take that 1%. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and show up on a bike and look vulnerable. So then people want to like help you out. <laughs> well, Armando, where were you this week? Where was I? Uh, probably just doing Petapalooza rides, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm still working. I didn't, haven't taken any vacation for a while. Uh, so I'm still doing the regular work week. So I don't think I've uh, gone anywhere too far from Portland. Um, oh, I did do the, uh, I did do the, uh, I was going to ask right around Clark County. Which, yeah. Which is a, a metric century up in Vancouver, Washington, right across the river from Portland. So, uh, it was good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I decided to ride there and, and ride home because I checked, you know, I checked Google Maps. I was like, oh, it's only 10 miles. So I said, oh, 10 miles, 10, you know, 60, 80 miles. That won't be too bad. But, you know, it's a little bit more. And then ended up riding <laughs> like, you know, 85 or 86 miles. And it's funny because I got home that afternoon and I was doing okay. And then a, another friend of mine, like, I think he did it. And he's like, oh, yeah. And I just rode 14 more miles when I got back so I can have a century for the day. I'm like, oh, oh my wow, gosh, I, I should have done that. Just take a really easy, slow, you know, ride to, to stretch out my legs some more. Cause I got home and I'm like, then I started cramping up cause I wasn't doing anything. <laughs> oh. Cause you went straight from like, you know, moving, yep. moving, moving, moving to, to nothing like straight yeah. still. Yeah, yeah. That's not good. Yeah. And you, I do, I have to remember to stretch every, yeah. after every ride. And I think that I think another secret for myself, anyway, uh, something I think I've learned, is when I take the breaks to make sure I I stretch and walk and use the different muscles that I'm not using on the bike. I think that's that will help me out. You're doing this in preparation for the Swift Summit, correct? Correct. Which is two weeks from yesterday. It's 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 a hundred. Uh, in- Imperial miles? It's not a metric yeah. century. No, no, though, it's is not, it? Yeah, it's a hundred. Is it imperial? Okay. U.S. miles. American. U.S. Oregon miles. That's right. Unless you do, Texas unless you're of California. Unless you're doing the two hundred miles. The California of Texas. <laughs> the California of Texas. <laughs> It'll make sense in a moment. <laughs> That's what we in the business call a teaser. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I feel pretty good. I need to do another long ride. Probably next. I probably won't end up being until, until Saturday, though. But maybe, maybe not. Maybe I'll get one to do one earlier. Um, and then just do some easy rides in the week upcoming to. Uh, but it, it's going to be interesting. It's it's going to be it's going to be a little bit different this year. There's um, we're getting more information about it. There's a. Uh, uh, new food vendor i think this year and uh they've they weren't sure if they were going to have camping or not but now camping is available um 
Uh, so if you want to camp there the night before or e even just sleep in your car, a lot of people end up sleeping in their car. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to do that, but you can do that. <laughs> <laughs> There's a few reasons why I'm not going to do that. Yeah, no. <laughs> I don't I don't want to really ask you about your week, Aaron. It was great. Oh, it was good. I, w I spent my first, my only vacation of the summer um, in San Diego, and I fell in love with that city. I discovered a neighborhood, which I, I'm actually kind of reluctant to name because I don't want anyone to know about it. Is that wrong? <laughs> Is that wrong? That's not wrong. <laughs> I will tell you about the 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 funnest named neighborhood that I discovered over there in San Diego is um, Normal Heights. Hmm. And the, they love, they love the big uh, banners across the road naming their neighborhood. Cause it's a lot like um, Portland and like, you have all these like little, little neighborhoods and each one sort of has their niche or their theme. Um, and they're like, they all have their Avenue with the, with the shops, you know, like, you have the Alberta district and obviously that's Alberta Avenue where, you know, all the shops are. And that's unique to like, you know, say I'm going to totally miff this neighborhood now, you know, where Hawthorne is Southeast right. and you have Hawthorne um, with all the shops, but then you have like all the character and, 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 uh, and neighborhood around it. Uh, Normal Heights. I love because they had the banner across the road. Um, you know, naming the, the neighborhood. And then at the base of one of the posts where the banner is, the building is a Starbucks. And what more normal for normal heights would be a Starbucks. It's beautiful. <laughs> That's a beautiful thing. Um, Anna and I randomly, we we're looking for Mexican restaurants in San Diego. So it was like, you know, just trip. <laughs> We had some of the best Mexican food ever, and that's saying a lot because there's a lot of good Mexican food around here too. Uh, and across the street, as we're waiting for our order to like come up, we're just seeing like people lining up at this door, at this nondescript door mm -hmm. with like a storefront in front of it, and we're like, "What is going on?" So we look. There's there's a panderia there for non-spanish speakers that's that's a bakery that's a mexican bakery and so we're like let's get in line <laughs> <laughs> why not and so we did and um oh my gosh it was so great some of the best like pan dulce i've ever had uh empanada de fresa i didn't know was a thing apparently it's classic that's what they're known for hmm. they ran out of churros like that um and he, well, no, I won't tell this secret. There's an item that is not on the menu, but we heard everybody asking for. And so we're like, let's try it. So we're like making our order, making our order, making our order. And uh, uno of the, <laughs> and the lady, the lady like given, and I think she was more thrown by the fact that like we put most of our order in English and then said this item in Spanish. Mm-hmm. But then also she gave us this look like you don't you don't know what what you're talking about. <laughs> Are you, you're not from around here. 
but yeah, she gave us, she gave us that secret item and it was as delicious as we hoped it would be. Nice. Um, yeah. Balboa park. We spent two days all day, two days at Balboa park. Um, and then we did this awesome hike, uh, at sunset cliffs. That was pretty sweet, even though maybe a little bit nerve wracking. Um, I'm very scared of heights. Oh, so you are? That, I didn't know that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, it was still, it was still kind of fun just hiking around along the, along these beach cliffs um, and watching dudes with like six foot surfboards, like their surfboard, like under one arm or over, and then like navigating these cliffs down to go surfing. That was, that was nerve. That was actually more nerve wracking than the hike itself. Cause you know, as they're walking down, you're, you're thinking like, Oh, I'm going to witness somebody falling to their death, man. Um, but we didn't, we saw a lot of surfers. That was kind of neat. Um, their transit system is, is pretty amazing. Next time we're bringing Bromptons just so that we can bike and transit. Mm-hmm. Um, it, we didn't bring our bikes this time around just cause it was a very last minute kind of spur of the moment thing. Um, but next time we're bringing our Bromptons to be able to like, kind of have that freedom to, to bridge the gaps where we couldn't quite get tra- transit, you know? Um, but yeah, I wanted to give a shout out to a particular bike shop, but I can't remember the name of it, but the people there were super friendly. Um, just, just a very welcoming environment. It was tiny, tiny shop. Um, I'm, I'm not going to venture, I guess I, whoever you are, you know, you know who you are. Keep on, keep on doing like you're doing. It's what a treat. My name is William Sue. Um, I moved to Portland about three months ago. Um, I live in the Alberta area and I, I love bicycles. I would say I, I used to be a bike mechanic for a couple of shops. This was right after I graduated from college. Um, I graduated during the recession, and so jobs were a little bit hard to come by. So I was an accountant for a temporary amount of time, and then I baristaed, and then I also wrenched at, at two different shops. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I'm glad to be here. Cool. Um, where did you move from, if you don't mind my asking? If you don't want to divulge. Yeah, sure. I so uh, most. Recently, I moved from Austin, Texas. Um, I wouldn't say that I have very close ties with that city. Um, I lived in Texas for two years, for, and I moved there for a job with my, my wife. Um, but I'm a California guy. Um, okay. Maybe. I, I don't know how popular it is to say that in Portland, but... <laughs> <All right>. um, <laughs> I think Oregon is the Texas of California. <laughs> the Texas of California. Oh, no, the really? California of Texas. The California of Texas. Yes. I just, I just made that up. <laughs> That's a good one. I like that. Yeah. Um, but you, I, I know we're we're looking at each other, but this is a, a recording, but I have a – an Oakland flag because that's where I hail from, Oakland, oh, okay. California. Nice. Um, so I, I live most of my life in the East Bay. Okay. So one of the reasons um, 
uh, I thought it'd be interesting to have you on a show because one, you're bikey, like you said. Two, you're new to Portland. Uh, you've only been here a few months. But three, you've taken a big part uh, in, in Petapalooza. And so I wanted to ask you about that and, and if you can just talk about how that came about and what you're doing and all that fun stuff. Yeah, I so I moved here and I, I do feel like I maybe jumped into Portland pretty quickly um, just from people I've spoken to. I work from home, so I think that gives me some flexibility in terms of being able to get out during the day. Um, and so one of the things that helped me kind of acclimate to Portland uh, was just no, having a bike kind of bicycle background. Um, I would identify myself as a commuter type of rider rather than like a weekend warrior, like go out and do a century type of ride. Uh, I enjoy riding two places and I enjoy, you know, having errands to go on via bike. Uh, you know, we were just talking about earlier that I went to DMV today and I rode my bike to the DMV and it's, I gotta say it's a little bit muggy out there today. Um, and it's not like the best type of, uh, temperature to be riding in, but I try to do as many trips as I can via bicycle versus driving. Um, and I guess I've always felt that way. Um, I have a minor in city planning and, uh, in college I, I interned for a while at the San Francisco bike coalition, um, trying to get more bike lanes in place, uh, trying to educate, uh, cab drivers. Remember cabs before, before Lyft and Uber <laughs> took over, um, trying to educate them on just bicycle awareness. And then we made these like stickers that went into cabs. Um, so it would remind, um, passengers to, to look over at their blind spot before opening a door. So if your, uh, cyclists get doored. Um, so I've just always been kind of a, a bicycle commuter and, and have enjoyed, uh, doing all these errands by bikes. And so when I moved to Portland, I feel like I really, um, I think the city is laid out in such a way that there's really fluid bicycle infrastructure, whether that's from bike lanes, the greenways, the paths across the bridges. Um, I think I found it to be just really accessible and bike friendly. Um, so I think I pretty much just moved here and started biking everywhere I could, uh, trying to do all my trips by bike. And um, on Pedalpalooza specifically, uh, I didn't know what Pedalpalooza was. I've, I've heard of the World Naked Bike Ride, um, but I didn't make that connection with Pedalpalooza at all. And I would say that uh, when I got here, I met a few friends from doing um, coffee outside on Saturday mornings and they kind of told me about it. And I think I just moved here just in time for the start of Pedalpalooza. Uh, I moved here in April and it started in June, beginning of June. And so I did a few of these rides, like the midnight mystery ride. Uh, I did a hockey ride, which was really interesting because I was like, how can you incorporate hockey and bikes together? But they did it. And there's like, I mean, there's a sandlot ride this week, uh, where I think it's this week where they stop and play baseball. So it's really demonstrated just the creativity of, of, uh, you know, people invested in their passions outside of biking and then being able to incorporate their passions with bikes as well. And riding, I feel like that's just, um, a, a true testament to, uh, 
I guess, keeping Portland weird. Um, I got involved with Pedal Palooza specifically because I wanted to get this pennant behind me. And I didn't order one because I didn't know what Pedal Palooza was. Um, and so when um, they posted that they had uh, additional ones for sale, I went over to, uh, I guess, the founder's place. Uh, her name is Megan. And, you know, I think I had some bandwidth to do some volunteering. And I really just um, kind of understood that it was, a, you know, I, I was taught about the shift calendar and how that worked and how that kind of wasn't dedicated to Pedal Palooza, but also dedicated to other bike events. Um, but really, the Pedal Palooza core of it, it, it seemed like it was mostly Megan kind of running the Instagram account, the Facebook account, kind of the social media. And, um, you know, with all the ride leaders, it's, it's really just a grassroots type of, um, ride leading. Uh, and so if folks just be able to ride or lead whatever ride they want to lead and post it up on the calendar. Um, you know, given it's open source, it, it's, it's pretty easy to do. And so I've been volunteering with the social media aspect side of it. And, um, I post, uh, three to four times a week on the Instagram and I'll repost and reshare the stories. Um, and it's been really good to, to be able to meet folks in the community, um, you know, I just, I just reached out to a person about a zine swap ride today and, uh, you know, we'll hopefully hear back from them and, uh, we'll learn more about, you know, what that ride is. And so, you know, the past month or two, I've just been reaching out to folks to learn about their rides and then be able to introduce them uh, ahead of time. What are, uh, some of the comments that you see on social because for, you know, for pedal Palooza, for folks unfamiliar uh, we talk about it a lot on the show, but if you're listening for the very first time, it's usually a month long of bike celebration here in town. Uh, this summer, however, it is three months, and I'm hoping that the spirit keeps on well through September or October. Uh, what kind of comments are you seeing? Where are people engaging in it for the platforms that you're interacting with? And where do you think some of the excitement has been around the expanded format this year? I think um, one of the things that, because I've never, uh, I'm not used to the old format where it was just a month, it does, from what I've heard from people, is just when it was a month long, it felt like, oh, we got to get, we got to get out there and get to riding because it's only a month long and that's all we have for this whole time of year. Um, and I think this year it feels a bit more like a, a test of endurance <laughs> um, because we have three months of it and, you know, we are in the final month, but we're just starting the final month. Um, but I think it's been good in terms of like maybe not having to feel so rushed. Um, I think even today when I'm looking at the calendar for the next couple weeks of rides, I think folks are still being very creative with different things. Um, I've personally been thinking about leading a ride, even though I would say I'm pretty new to Portland. Um, it, it also seems like it's, it's pretty welcoming in terms of like who wants to lead a ride. It doesn't, you know, I think if I led a ride, maybe it'd be a, a theme ride rather than a, let's try to get a bunch of mileage type of ride. Um, as long as I'm, I'm passionate about something. Um, but I guess to answer your question, I would say 
I do interact a lot with people in, in private messages about like being new to Portland, what pedal Palooza is, how to find out about rides. You know, um, I think a lot of people are, I would say a little, have some trepidation, um, around like the difficulty of a ride, because I think there's are, there are people who, you know, they just don't ride bikes every day. And so they're like, well, you know, how many Hills is this going to ride going to have? How long is it going to be? Um, you know, is everyone going to go really, really fast because then I won't be able to keep up. Um, and I think generally, uh, you know, we tell people to, to reach out to the ride leaders to, to get the details of the ride. Um, but where we can, we try to pull the description from, you know, the shift calendar to, to give a kind of personal opinion about like, okay, this seems like a pretty chill, relaxed type of ride versus like a, you know, this is going to be a cyclocross ride and you're going to lift your bike and run upstairs and <laughs> eat dirt, whatever. Um, but I think it's been really positive. Um, there's been, I think there's been a really good focus on type of social type of rides, like social issues. Uh, I was just interacting with uh, a couple people yesterday about the adoptees of color. Uh, so people of color and particularly adoptees, um, there is a ride that's, um, you know, exclusive to, to those people. And I think that's a safe space uh, for people who want to be able to um, be surrounded or be, um, you know, meet other people who are kind of in, in, in that boat. Um, and so I'm glad there's a space for that. And I'm glad that it's met with enthusiasm and I think pretty encouraging support from the comments made on those posts. Um, you know, I try to get out where I can, um, to rise. And I, I feel like since I started volunteering, I've been, obviously there's more social media presence of mine rather than physical presence of mine. Um, so, you know, it, I, from what I've seen in person on the rides I've attended, uh, it's just been really fun and I've been able to meet folks and, you know, make new friends that way. Uh, you mentioned that you were involved with the SF bike coalition, um, you know, and you plugged so quickly into shift. Uh, what do you think that drive represents or, you know, how, how do you, get interested in these things? Like what, what kind of fuels that interest and um, what, what are some of the things that, that have led into just sort of jumping in? You, as you mentioned, you'd, uh, I, I think you self-ascribed as, as jumping in or getting into Portland very quickly. Uh, some people are, you know, slower, some people are faster, but uh, you know, the head over heels approach, I'm always a big advocate for. Um, wh wh where does that come from? And, and what is some of the experiences it's led to for you? Yeah, I would say that, um, you know, professionally, my day job has to do with uh, responsible investing. So um, my background is talking to corporations about climate change, about social matters like human rights. Um, and so I think when I talk about bicycling and getting fewer cars on the road, there is a bit of that um, desire uh, to, from a emissions perspective. And so, you know, jumping into Portland and being able to do most errands by bike, I think there is a drive to see fewer cars on the road. Um, 
And I think ever since uh, my wife and I moved here, we've just have also had a constant slew of visitors. Um, so even though like how new I am to the city, I at least know the Northeast pretty well now where I can bike around and not have to like rely on maps and Google maps and things like that. Um, but playing tour guide to friends that are staying with us or, or not staying with us, but want to bike. Um, it's been really fun and teaches me to, uh, explore new routes. Um, so I think it's, maybe a combination of like maybe the, the environmental social side of things um, having to do with, you know, just my personal interests and my beliefs and knowing that it kind of aligns with uh, I would say the larger part of the population of the city. Um, I think that's been really encouraging. And I think um, where I lived previously um, maybe my social stance was not met eye to eye with as much of the population there. And so it's, I feel like the last two years I've had this maybe pent up like desire to be like, I miss Californians, but Portlanders are very close to that too. <laughs> or maybe even a, maybe surpasses that, but it's just, I miss the West coast and I miss, I miss the liberalness, liberalness of the West coast um, and, you know, I think I'm, I'm on social media quite a bit and I, I read the, I think I've taken, uh, to reading like local news, um, wherever I go, I like to read local news. Um, but I think just things that come up like, um, you know, the York statue at Mount Tabor, um, you know, that keeps getting torn down and, uh, you know, just destroyed. And I think that's, that's upsetting to me. And it's, it's something that, uh, you know, I can identify with as like a person of color. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to live somewhere where people of color are oppressed. And so I think just things that happen in the community also spark the drive to, um, you know, be part of change or be, be an advocate. Um, whether that's uh, just reposting a story on Instagram or it's volunteering for Pedal Palooza to, you know, maybe indirectly influence or indirectly support a ride that has a positive social cause uh, to get more attendees. Armando, I heard in the past that you've done a Twin Peaks ride. I Is did. I hosted a Twin Peaks ride. Um, it's interesting. I hosted a Twin Peaks ride and then I kept thinking of all these ideas. I'm like, oh shoot, no, that's, that's not Twin Peaks. You know, it's, that's this other David Lynch movie or this other David Lynch <laughs> series or, you know, and, uh, and so then, uh, it was really fun. The ride was really fun. And then afterwards, I'm like, I told everybody, so next year I'm not going to have a Twin Peaks ride. I'm going to have a David Lynch ride. So then the next year I had a David Lynch ride. Uh, so that was fun. Cause then that just opened it up to, you know a bigger David Lynch world. Mm -hmm. So that was fun. I, I like Twin Peaks a lot. So if you, if you were to lead a Twin Peaks ride this month, I would definitely attend. And then my other thought was if there was a Twin Peaks ride, we should climb two peaks. 
like oh yeah that's a good idea do two buttes or something yeah i'll have to uh i'll have to see if i can repost i made a trailer i made a trailer for the uh, twin peaks ride uh, that I posted online, so I'll have to post that again. It was I, I love it. It was really fun for me to make that trailer. <laughs> I love it when people make trailers for Petapalooza rides. I haven't seen a bunch of them this year, but I know I, I saw a couple so far. And it's like, I don't yeah, think I've seen any trailers post, yet. Post your trailer, dude. Post a trailer for your ride. It's super fun. And I can't think of who who has done it so far. Yeah, I could just talk about Petapalooza all day and all. <laughs> <laughs> It's my favorite time of year. <laughs> I remember, didn't you used to take like all of your vacation time at Petalpalooza? So you'd just be like, I'm just going that ride and that I, ride and I that did, ride. I did. I did. I would take, um, I sort of would take half days because uh, I really didn't need to take the whole day off. Um, but just, it's, it was, it's nice to leave work in the afternoon to, to go hit a ride early or do an, or do, or do an, afternoon or daytime ride which i did this year i did a couple of uh daytime rides um this year was i was more specific about doing the daytime rides specifically the bike shop rides um because i i wanted to go to the bike shops but i knew they were close and i didn't want i actually didn't want a lot of people riding with me to the bike shops so you know because of uh initially because of covid um but as things were getting a little better <laughs> <laughs> it felt a little better, but uh, we'll see what happens now. I don't know what's going to happen now. William, what rides are you thinking of hosting? Not not committing um, you to anything. You to anything. <laughs> it's okay. So maybe you can help me with this. So because I'm so new to Portland, I was thinking of doing like the cringeworthy <laughs> just for tourists Portland stops. Yes. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, yes. yeah, totally like good. A, but I think the only one that I've really got, like the, the top of the pack is Voodoo Donuts. Yeah. All right. But what are some of the other ones? Because I, so I think I've made the mistake of eating at a McMenamin's and I regretted it after. <laughs> I thought, I thought we went to a Kennedy school and I thought the, I thought the school itself was cool. Uh -huh. But I was like, maybe we should have just went inside, looked around and left. Like I didn't really need to eat there. Um, but I'm wondering, like, do you all have any other ideas of like, this is a place that tourists go that is not actually very good. Oh. <laughs> Cause I think there's touristy spots that I think are pretty cool. Like, like, um, I, I guess I would say I would, I would answer your question. There are places I think tourists go that. If you're living in Portland, you tend not to go to. I, I, I wouldn't want to say whether it was good or not because I haven't actually been to all of them. But like when you say touristy places, I think of, you know, the Rose Garden. The Rose Garden is a huge tourist place. I mean, it's a tourist place for for people outside of Portland and people in at, in Portland. They love it. Um, and it's cool. And it's cool. Um, the Portland Spirit is a touristy place. Uh, I think both, again, for people here in Portland, in Portland or and not, and I've actually been oh. on the Portland Spirit a long, long time ago, and it was really awesome. <laughs> uh, but I haven't been that's on a it ship, again. I assume. Yeah, it's a it's the ship that's downtown. That's at at the Salmon Fountain, and uh, you can go on a cruise, and it goes usually goes south and heads down to like towards Willamette Falls, and it's really peaceful. It's it's not too bad. I don't know if I would do it again, but it was okay to go once. I've so, never been on oh. it. 
I don't intend to. <laughs> um, that's the spirit, Aaron. <laughs> that's the Portland spirit. <laughs> uh, Saturday market? Like I, I, like I was just oh, yeah. about to say oh. Saturday market. Yeah. Holy I haven't talked God. this whole interview in the only contribution <laughs> I was going to make. Wait, no, no, no. We'll, we'll edit. We'll edit, edit around out. this part. Yeah. Hey, Aaron, what's that? Marker. I'm out of places. I can't think of that one that starts with Adderday and ends with Arkit. <laughs> yeah, that's that's actually what I was thinking of was like, I wouldn't say it's bad. I certainly wouldn't make an effort to go there. Uh, there's some pretty cool things there. I almost look forward to having visitors just to take them to the Saturday market. Um but on my own, I would avoid that place just because it's always so crowded. And that's pre-COVID. Well, my wife and I went the opening weekend. So. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I've, I've right been for there. It. I spent money at the market. It's it's all in good fun. Yeah. I like yes. So the market, uh, they're, they're open when they do the Christmas opening where they're open all the time right before Christmas. I think I, I like to go down there then when it's that, that special thing because, you know, they're trying to get uh the vendors are trying to sell their stuff for christmas so i think that's a good idea now is what? this breakfast burrito place worth it at the saturday market yeah there's always like a queue that's maybe like oh gosh i don't know 40 people long oh my gosh no kidding i i guess i haven't been there long yeah enough. i haven't, I I haven't been there i haven't had food in, in there in yeah. probably over a decade <laughs> well, we'll have to make a, a trip and we can make it 43 people long. There we go. <laughs> and then um, uh, the tram, you know, the Portland tram. Oh, yeah. The Portland area. But the tram's tram. cool too. Yeah, the tram is cool too. Uh, people like it. it it's, it's a huge tourist spot. Uh, it's, As, not, yeah. it's, not, it's not open right now for tourists, so employees and patients only. I have the I've, inside scoop I've on that. I've tried twice. <laughs> tried twice to get on the tram. <laughs> Make an appointment. <laughs> we should, uh, well, we shouldn't really. We could do the scrubs ride that conveniently ends at the tram. There we go. <laughs> uh, the only other one I can think of is Burnside Skate Park. Uh, I have sent I people there because they've asked where it is and they haven't had a good time. But that may be just because uh, it's a little real at the skate park. So yeah. who knows? Has anyone done a Portlandia ride? Like visit all the sites of Portlandia? Oh gosh, I don't know. It seems like they would have. I I don't remember hearing about it though. I think there was like a Grim ride one year. There was a Grim ride, yeah, I remember that. Hmm. And I think that I think that was a popular one because people dressed up as monsters. Is that correct? I don't recall. I wasn't yeah. I wasn't on it. Okay. Um, let's see. You could do a ride that's like I'm thinking I'm like riffing on the voodoo theme. <laughs> the best the best in town. You could do like the best in town ride where you as the ride leader are just like we're going to be taking secret stops. And only the ride leader knows it. So it's kind of like MMR, except you just like pick places randomly and you'd stop and you're like this, this, uh, 
This insurance agency is the best insurance agency in Portland. <laughs> this and, uh, particular plaid pantry is the best plaid pantry of all. The best plaid pantry in Portland. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Related. Tour to gross out. Tour of all of the grocery outlets in town. Where is their headquarters? You know, I don't know. I don't know either. They're they're based out of Portland, right? That's are they? I don't think so. I I thought I thought I don't feel like I gotta search this. Yeah, now. you gotta yeah. search it now. Yeah. <laughs> I've not heard them based out of Portland. I've I've been to one, two, three. I've only Emeryville, been to California. Nope. Sorry. No. I th- I think okay. there was an office here or something. Because I've seen, I think I've seen jobs on LinkedIn for grocery <laughs> outlet. <laughs> uh, Guthrie, when you talked about that, the best stuff, right? I just totally was thinking of a Yelp ride. <laughs> oh. What, how would that come together? I don't know. Just Yelp ratings. <laughs> okay. Oh, just like go to lowest star on Yelp. L- lowest or highest, either one. It, you know, does it really matter on Yelp? <laughs> yeah. I just. Best bet, just don't look at Yelp, and, <laughs> and you'll be happy. William, uh, when you are choosing to feature uh, a ride on the social media, like, is there a specific criteria you're looking for? Um, are you, like, trying to, like, feature certain kinds of rides, or is it just like, well, what's going on this week? That one looks good. Yeah, I, I think, uh, well, my first rule of thumb is to not feature the huge rides, like the, the rides that already have a lot of attendees that we know of, um, especially like recurring rides that are every week, <laughs> um, because I don't think those need featuring. Right. Um, I think the next one, I think there's two sides of this. One side is I can feature something that is a fun themed ride that is either like a pop culture reference. And I know if we want to get likes, that's what I should feature. That's <laughs> what it's and, about, right? And then, so I, I try to do like these ride profile ride leader profiles, like two or three times a week. And so I will usually pick one of those and then I'll pick one where there is more of a social cause. Um, and so I'll reserve one for, so I think what last week, I think I did a star Trek one and I think that got a lot of, a lot of likes on that one. Mad likes, um, mad, mad likes. likes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I think I did like the one I mentioned earlier, the adoptees of, of people of color adoptees. Um, you know, I think that one was something that I felt like was a good cause and that's something I wanted to support. Um, but I also anticipate that when I post something like that, it's not going to get mad likes like Star Trek would. Um, so I try to do a balance of like trying to get likes, um, between Megan and I, we're trying to get to 6,000 followers. We are at 5,900, I think, and 82. Oh, wow. So if oh, you know 18 you're people, so close. <laughs> except we were trying to get there by the end of July. So we are, we actually fit, we missed our goal. <laughs> And so, um, got to do it for the likes. Yeah. Sounds like you're doing just fine to me. <laughs> I think we doubled our followers the, this, this year or since, 
since the beginning of this uh, bike summer, I think we had around 3,000 followers, and now we're up to right about 6,000. So I think that's pretty good, you know. I, I often wonder, like, if I were, let's say, if I were Taylor Swift and I, I post one post and then I, I go to, like, you know, turn the app off and I come back 20 minutes, like, that little heart that tells you how many likes you have. <laughs> I imagine for her, she, like, comes into her, she, like, logs in, she opens her app, and then the number that pops up is, like, in the hundred thousands. <laughs> But I guess that's why you you hire a social media manager at that point. <laughs> William, have you guys, have uh, you and Megan or anyone else talked about, uh, like we had talked about earlier about possibly, I don't want to say keeping Petapalooza going, because the first thing, went, usually in July when Petapalooza ends at the end of June, we, well, or at the, the first week of July, it has been lately. Um, everybody, we're always like after Palooza. <laughs> oh, after Palooza! I've never heard that one. <laughs> oh, I think after Palooza, post Palooza. What's the other one? There's another one too that people post. I can't remember. Um, but the, but uh, it would be interesting if there was something that kept the rides continuing to be posted, where people would say, "Oh, yeah, it's not just it's not just Petapalooza. It's not just the summer." Um, yeah, I think, um, I mean, one of the things that I know Megan wants to do and I'm interested in, in helping her out is just trying to make the website better. And I know that's mm -hmm. maybe a little deviating from your question, but um, oh, that's fine. yeah, thinking about like actions we can take to, um, you know, further the, the, the fun <laughs> um, that goes beyond just bike summer or bike month as it usually is. Um I think one of the things is that I think Pedalpalooza has a website right now. It's not the greatest website. Uh, and I think um, I enjoy writing and I said I would take on writing uh, new things for the website if, if she wants. Um, so we're trying to build that out. And I, I like the idea of, of keeping it open. I, I know, um, you know, like, like TNR or other rides that go kind of year round, um, I think that's for a specific, uh, you know, population of riders that know what that ride is going to be like and anticipate, um, you know, how, what, what kind of speed, what can, what, you know, what can they expect? Um, but I, I, this is just an assumption, but I assume like theme rides, like a Star Trek ride is, you know, those things aren't going to happen, you know, after Palooza goes on or ends for the year. Um, so I think, you know, one of the things that I was, you know, thinking about, and I haven't, haven't shared this with anybody, but like, if, if I get to a point of leading a ride, you know, it would be nice to lead some of these rides that we see during Petalpalooza at different parts of the year. And it might just be a huge turnout because there's so few to choose from. Like you get the word out mm -hmm. to say like, Hey, I want to lead a, let's say star Wars ride or whatever, or twin peaks ride. And I'm going to do it in the end of September, for example. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of anticipation because, you know, I, I think there's a lot of people who identify with that interest, um, but also because it's a theme ride and they might have that nostalgia for, oh, Pedalpalooza was just just a month or two months ago and, and there hasn't been one, you know, there hasn't been a theme ride since then. So I think that would spark a, a large turnout as well. 
Um, so, you know, I think that's something I'm, I'm personally interested in. Um, and because of the, the open sourceness of shift, I think that kind of allows us to have that flexibility and have whoever wants to post it up, um, do so. Um, you know, I, because I help out with the, the social media of Petalpalooza, you know, we'll, we'll see like how, uh, open we are to, to using that some of those resources that 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 social media outreach we have to be able to promote rides outside of just bike summer. Yes, it's um, so when we when you talked about Twin Peaks and we talked about you know Petapuzo keeping it going, I totally thought, oh, Twin Peaks is totally a autumn ride. It's not a summer ride because I mean I dre- I had a, I was you know I was Killer Bob and I had a jean jacket on and I was just like sweating because it was like eighty five <laughs> or something yeah. even at no. night. But man, everyone imagine, was wearing flannel. Yeah, in that Twin, Pe- series, Twin you Peaks know? ride at you know Twin Peaks ride in October, like near Halloween. Oh my gosh, that would be a blast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, so Armando, can we go on a record because we're recording? Yeah, I'll, I'll post it. We're going to do the Twin today. Peaks ride. I'll post it tonight. <laughs> Twin Peaks ride. I'll, I'll look on the shift calendar right Does now. Does there happen to be a Friday the Thirteenth this October? <laughs> oh, that would be too if nice. So you have to do it then. <laughs> No, that would be the Friday the Thirteenth ride. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I bet there's some. What are what are the Twin Peaks days? There's like specific dates within the show that they call out, like. Oh yeah, I'd have to think about it. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm a big Twin Peaks fan. <laughs> Doing it, Twin Peaks ride. Um, William, in respect to your time, I know you mentioned you had a limited amount. Is there anything that we haven't asked that we should have is there anything that you wanted to get the word about or or that you wanted to make sure we included in this episode no one asked me about bicycles like in general in terms of like what bikes i own what what i like to work on what i don't like to work on bro bro tell me about your rig bro (laughs) what what bike uh is not not your favorite but what bike changed your life Ooh. Oh man. What, what a... bike what bike was the game changer for your life? How about that? Wow, this is a hard question. <laughs> Who brought anticipate... this up? <laughs> <laughs> All right, I okay, so I think I would say I used to have a 1993 Bridgestone X01 and I rode that bike for about 6 years. Um, and I would say it changed my life because before that I, I started riding bikes, I would say in high school. I mean, I had bikes when I was a kid, but I got my first road bike in high school. And, you know, when I first got my road bike, I didn't know how to work on bikes at all. Like, you know, setting limits on derailleurs, brakes, anything like that. I was like, I don't want to touch the derailleur because I don't want to like accidentally mess something up. And then I have to bring it back to the bike shop to make, make these tweaks. And then they're going to charge me money. Um, so I was just generally like terrified of working on bikes. And then, um, you know, I, I think it helps that I worked at bike shops to kind of learn, but also I have like a Richard Zinn like book about how to, you know, service different parts of the bike. And, and I think this was before YouTube videos on like how to do whatever on a bike were uh, mainstream. So I was learning from a book. Um, but the Bridgestone X01, um, that was a bike that I, 
really geeked out on because I, I knew the cult following that it had. Um, and it was a bike that I bought for a deal. Um, I remember I bought it on Craigslist for 350 bucks and it was posted for maybe 40 seconds before I responded to the email ad. And then I was able to drive out there about an hour after I responded. And it was like a two hour drive from where I lived. Um, I got the bike and I started like fixing things up because I wanted to, you know, personalize it, make it a bit more mine. Um, and then at the same time I knew I was like, this is a cult bike and I can, you know, I can make it really cool. And I, I think before Instagram, I was posting pictures of the bikes on Flickr. Um, and I had this one picture that got reposted by, uh, Brooks of England. Um, and also like the Marin cycling museum or whatever of my X01. When I put the, uh, the, the nineties, like Michelin wild gripper teal, like knobby tires on it. I think that the contrast of the, like the teal tires with that pumpkin orange, um, just went so well together. <laughs> And I remember I, I mounted those tires and I was about to go on a ride in uh, Joaquin Miller in Oakland. And I had no, I don't have, I don't mountain bike. And so that's not, that's not my strong suit. And I had the mustache bars that I came with. And if you've seen mustache bars, they go like this. And then the levers are like all the way at the very like farthest reach. The top tube was already long on that bike. And the reach was like way out there. And so my friend who was maybe speaking in jest told me to like take this really technical route <laughs> on that bike. And I think I ate it like five times in like 15 minutes. <laughs> and yeah, I came out pretty bloody. The bike was okay. I don't think it really suffered any damage. Um, and... <laughs> Yeah, that was probably not the greatest bike to take down that route. <laughs> probably would have been good with suspension, um, something where you can shift your weight backwards. Um, but it was just, I think the Bridgestone really made it for me because it was a bike that I love to tinker with a lot um, after I had that kind of bicycle sh bike shop knowledge um, to be able to have like the confidence of like working on shifting and brakes and wheels and stuff. Um and also just the the flicker the flicker audience at the time being like, ooh, is that a Bridgestone X01? Like I was like, oh yeah. These are, this is like the early days of likes. Like yeah. I need that internet gratification. <laughs> yeah. R.I.P. Flicker. <laughs> Pour one out it's, for you. It's still around. Oh, sorry. Come, there there are still flickerers. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm still paying shadows for it. hiding in the corners. <laughs> What's that? I'm still paying for it. <laughs> oh. Well, you should give me log into your account because I don't want to pay him. <laughs> well, I, yeah, because I have photos there and I'm like, what do I got? I'm just going to leave it here for now. You know, so I'm, I'm paying for it so, so I can, it's, it's babysitting my photos. So, someday I'll do something with it. I looked up the photo with the teal tires and the Bridgestone <laughs> and I have to say this is probably one of the most beautiful bikes i've ever seen <laughs> oh we're we're posting this on oh yeah post the show going on there we'll link to it right on william thank you for sharing that story uh, yeah, i thanks. appreciate you yeah 
uh, informing us about that moment in your bicycle experience. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, one more thing, I used to work at a Dutch bike shop. Um, so I would work on like Bach feats and like the Oma feats and the Opa feats. And those were the biggest pain to work on. <laughs> so, on the opposite end of the spectrum, I would say those are like the most, those are the things I would detest working on. <laughs> what about recumbents? I've never worked on a recumbent, okay. but I mean, it just seems like the cables and the housing all have to be so long. Um, yeah, the, I never encountered a recumbent. My first bike shop, it was a tri a triathlon shop, mm -hmm. and so most of my work was triathletes bringing in their bikes in their boxes and having me pack them. So I got really good at packing <laughs> bikes. I just one message for all the triathletes out there that I think if you buy a box, you should learn to pack your own bike. <laughs> <laughs> you mean not? you know, set it in the closet and then wait till the day before the event and then figure out it's kind of difficult and then take it to a bike shop and tell them to do it in like 10 minutes. Exactly. Exactly. Bro, <laughs> I got to race tomorrow though, bro. I'll pay extra, bro. <laughs> I'll sell you a used bike box for 30 bucks. <laughs> cool. Um, well, yeah, thank, thank you once again. Um, do you have any social, I know we were talking in, in the context of shift to bikes. Um, do you have any personal socials that you want people to know about? Um, feel free to share if so, but otherwise, um, yeah, thank you so much for taking the time this eve and spending it with us, uh, and sharing some stories about what you're up to. Yeah, I have a, I have a public Instagram account that's open to anyone to view. Uh, it's W-L-M as in Michael, H-S-U. Uh, so feel free to follow me there. It's, cool. a, it's a mix of cats, bikes, wife, life. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Thank you so much. All right. All right. Thanks Thank a lot, you. William. Take care. Bye. We got mail. Oh, you nice. poor innocent chap. That's <laughs> been a long so time for that. Then. <laughs> uh, so here's some mail we got. We got it a while back. Uh, we haven't been doing this format uh, recently, so uh, we wanted to make sure and include it. And it was a comment on our post of episode 571, Commuting by Bike. Uh, Richard Wazinski emailed us and said, uh, "We were. I think that was the, the commuting one where we were talking about cleaning. How do you clean when you're commuting and... And he's mentioned witch hazel works well as alcohol to get rid of odor-causing bacteria, but doesn't dry out your skin. Um, I've Interestingly not, I've enough. not tried witch hazel. I've, I have used alcohol. Um, I read something where, you, you know, you just get a, a washcloth and it soaked in alcohol, put it in a baggie, and then when you get to work, you can just clean off. Um, and it works well to kill the bacteria, which causes the body odor. So Right. Um Witch hazel also helps with saddle sores. Oh, really? Which is something I oh. experienced in a semi-recent huh. uh, period. Yeah. Um, use saddle sores or use witch hazel on your saddle sores. It will, it will uh, help the inflammation. Oh, I have a question for you guys since we're talking about this. When you ride long miles, are you wearing a chamois? No? Okay. I wear jeans. Yeah. Or whatever pants I happen to be wearing. Um, I will say this. I have uh, 
I think it's called Body Glide. Mm-hmm. It comes in a stick. Yep. I will use that in preparation. Okay. And I have... Uh, uh, the reason why I ask is because... Um... Anthony Hernandez. Oh, yeah, yeah. I have him to thank for oh, selling that to me or recommending that to me. Um, we always get these samples, the sample size uh, servings of uh, chamois butter for the Swift yeah. Summit. And I've got like all these, you know, I've gotten all these packages. I'm like, I, I don't really know what you're supposed to do with this. <laughs> it's it's probably what you think you need to do with them. So speaking of having to look things up on YouTube. <laughs> when I was, this is more information than anyone cares to know about me. When I was a landscaper in Hawaii, um, to prevent chafing, I would use just a few drops of olive oil. Hmm. I like to go with um, Neosporin. Okay. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. It's at home in a med kit and wherever you decide you need to put it. Huh. The Sprocket Podcast is produced in Portland, Oregon. If you enjoyed this show, please leave us a review and tell your friends about us. Our website is thesprocketpodcast.com. Email to thesprocketpodcast at gmail.com. Call or text 503-847-9774. Twitter and Instagram at Sprocket Podcast. Thanks to Ryan J. Lane for our theme music. Hurtbird for our headlines sounder. Marcus Norman for graphic design. And thanks to the generous support of our Patreon supporters and listeners. Shadowfoot, Wayne Norman, Cameron Lean. Richard Wazinski, Tim Mooney, Glenn Kubish, Eric Weiss, Eric Weiss, Doug Cohen Miller, Chris Smith, Caleb Jenkinson, JP Keeley, Peanut Butter Jar Matt, <laughs> Marco Lowe, Rich Otterstrom, Drew the Welder, Anna, Andre Johnson, Richard G, Guthrie Straw, Aaron Green, author of We Were Like Sons and founder of the Regrainery, Campsite, Mac Nurse David, Jeremy Kitchen. David Belay, Tim Coleman, Harry Hugel. E.J. Finneran, Brad Hipwell, Thomas Skato. Keith Hutchinson, Ranger Tom, Joyce Wilson. Ryan Tam, Jason Optenberg, David Moore, Todd Grosbeck. Chris Barron, Chris, Chris Barron, Barron. Chris, Chris Barron. Sean Baird, Simon Pace, Gregory Braithwaite. Dude Luna, hey that's me, Emma Rooks. <laughs> Philip M. Spartan Dale, Mr. T, who never really left, Bike Initiative Kiwana, Sarah G. Adam D, Go Dig a Hole, Beth Hammond. Greg Murphy, Myra Martinez, Oso. Isaac M, Byron Patterson, Kirsten Graham. Aaron G, Rachel Moline, Jimmy Diesel, Christopher Barnett. And our newest sponsor, Jonathan Lee. And thanks to all our former supporters who helped us along the way. Now brush your teeth. And go to bed. And wear your fucking mask. (laughs) Shit.